Hi folks, I hope you can all hear me, yeah? Oh, good, good. Well, um, I'd like to read, um, if I can, from Ruth chapter 1, verse 19, and I'll read all of chapter 2, but just uh, the heels of chapter 19, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, and then all of chapter 2. So, Ruth... Um, tucked away there at the beginning of the Old Testament. Uh, chapter 1, verse 19. I'll give you a minute just to find it. Okay, so the two women, so we, we, we're breaking into the story. Um, they are Naomi and Ruth. Uh, Naomi has tried to reason with Ruth to go back to Moab and to her parents. And uh, she, of course, resolutely... Um, told uh, Naomi that she was going to go to Bethlehem with her and we break into the story as they arrive back in Bethlehem. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them and the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them called me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Now, Naomi had a relative of her husband's, on her husband's side, a man of standing, or could be a man of worth, from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. And she said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here all he has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field, and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. And she asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? And Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. 
how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You've put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvester, she offered her, he offered her some roasted grain and she ate all she wanted and had some left over. And she got up to glean, Boaz gave, as she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley that she had gathered and it amounted to an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw it, saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I work with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead, she added. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian or kinsman redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley harvest and wheat harvests were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law. Well, um, Naomi and Ruth have arrived back in Bethlehem, or uh, they've, they've returned from the land of uh, Moab, and it seems that when they got there, uh, people had a hard job recognizing Naomi. Her appearance, it would seem, had changed somewhat um, from the time that she had left to the time that she returned. Probably there were a few more wrinkles, um, a few more gray hairs, perhaps. I'm sure that her face bore the emotional scars of the last 10 years or so. She had lost her husband and she had lost her two sons. And uh, that kind of grief has the ability to leave its mark upon you. And for whatever reason, the women in Bethlehem had to ask the question, is this Naomi? Uh, it seems that they were struggling uh, to determine who uh, this, these returning uh, people were. But Naomi is back. She is back where she belonged with the Lord's people. Um, I'm not sure what, where they stayed when they returned. Uh, maybe they stayed with a relative. 
maybe they stayed in a tent of some description. Maybe they were able to move back into their old house, although if they needed to be redeemed, then it's likely that the house that they owned before they left and the land uh, had been sold and that it needed to be bought back. So it's really difficult to know where they lived when they returned to Bethlehem. I, I, I don't know the details uh, surrounding where, where they lived. I just know that it, it is good to see her back uh, in the covenant community, um, being in a place where she can attend the tabernacle, um, where she can attend uh, worship, where she can hear the priests read the law of Moses, where she can enjoy the fellowship of God's people. And uh, it seems that Bethlehem was fair buzzing with the news that Naomi was back and uh, folk were excited to see her back. And uh, it is always exciting, isn't it, to see people who perhaps have been away returning to the to where they belong, uh, their place amongst the Lord's people. Well, three quick things. Well, hopefully they'll be quick. Three things anyway. Um, I, I want us to think about God's providence, God's people, and God's plan um, as it unfolds at the end of the chapter. So God's providence, uh, first of all, um, and then God's people, and then God's plan. But God's providence, and a couple of things about God's providence, and the first is that it was sure. So having made our way through chapter one um, and having watched Naomi and Ruth and Orpah, uh, having watched them lose their husbands, having watched Naomi uh, not only lose her husband, but her sons and then her daughter-in-law turning back and going to the land of Moab, we might have been tempted to say, what will ever become of these uh, two women, Naomi and Ruth? And what a sorry sight, in, in a sense, they were to behold as they returned uh, to Bethlehem. Naomi is feeling the pain of her past to the extent that when people start to call her Naomi, she asks them to stop and she tells them not to call her Naomi, which means sweet, but to call her Mara, which means bitter. Now, not only uh, is Naomi feeling the pain of the past and uh, somewhat uh, sorry for herself, Ruth is also out gathering up what few grains of barley that she can find or in the harvest fields. The poor, it seems, were allowed to go into the fields after the harvesters. Mention of that is in Leviticus 19, I think, where they are able to go and gather around the fringes of the fields, uh, any sort of loose stalks of grain that had been left behind by the harvesters. And, and that's what Ruth is spending her time doing, just gathering up the scraps that are lying around the field. So they don't have much going for them. And uh, certainly Naomi doesn't seem to feel that she has much going for her. She told the women to call her <coughs> Mara because she was convinced that the Lord's hand had gone out against her or the Lord was against her. Um, and she certainly feels as if the Lord is against her. And if, if that is extreme language, she certainly has a sense that the Lord has forgotten her. But as the author of uh, scripture opens up the second chapter of Ruth, um, he wants us to know that God is not against her. 
And right before we go any further in the story, he wants us to know that God has not forgotten her. And whilst most detective stories keep their secrets until the end, the author of this book doesn't want to keep the fact that God is not against Naomi until the end. He, he wants us to know now that God is at work shaping the future for these two ladies. So immediately, as he opens chapter two, he introduces us to this character called Boaz. Now, um, as he's introduced to us, uh, we are told that he was a man of standing, or he was a man of worth, or he was a worthy gentleman. And as we're introduced to Boaz, you don't need to be a detective to work out where the story is going. God has got a future for both Naomi and Ruth, and he is bringing into Ruth's life this gentleman called Boaz with his wealth and with his love, and of course he will change the fortunes of both of these ladies. Now, we're not told a lot about Boaz at this point in the story, but what we are told is fairly significant. His name, Boaz, means in him is strength. And the Hebrew word carries the idea of an individual who is gifted in every way. It seems that he was a man of wealth. He seems to have had what neither Naomi or Ruth had much of, and that is money, and he seems to have had lots of it. But more importantly, Boaz was a kinsman or a family, close family relative of Elimelech, who was Naomi's late husband. And therefore, he was eligible to fulfill the custom of a near relative, which was to marry the widow of a family member who had died so that the name of that family, that side of the family, would continue. Now, Naomi wasn't planning to marry Boaz. In fact, you get the impression that Boaz wasn't really on her radar up to this point in the story. He hasn't really crossed her mind, and the idea even of him marrying Ruth hasn't even crossed her mind. Um, she didn't, she certainly hasn't been thinking it would appear of uh, Boaz fulfilling this role as kinsman redeemer, as outlined in Leviticus 25. Ruth certainly didn't know Boaz. She had no idea that he was a relative of Naomi, her late, and of her late husband. But, but God knows that he exists. And before we take another step in the story of this book, um, it seems that the Lord is at, at, at pains to show us that in the middle of the chaos and the tragedy and the poverty of uh, both Naomi and Ruth's life, that he is at work providentially preparing and working for their future. Now, uh, this is just, I think, a little note at this point in the book to remind us that Naomi is wrong. She was wrong. God was not against her. God had not forgotten her. God instead was for her. God never forgets about any of his children. And no matter how we feel, and feelings can run riot on occasions, no matter how we feel, God hasn't forgotten about you or about me. What he did for Naomi and Ruth, he does every day for you, guiding your steps, directing your ways, and overarching your lives with his amazing providence. Even when we can't see it, and uh, God is two steps ahead of us, 
And if we doubt God's love or his care, then the greatest place to visit is Calvary, because there you will see a demonstration of how much God does love us as his children. So it was sure or it was certain, and it was also simple, God's providence. Um, this is what strikes me about this story. God is at work behind the scenes, but it all plays out so simply. There's nothing contrived here. It's just a, 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 a such a simple unfolding of God's providential plan. Now, we know from uh, our reading of the Old Testament that there are a number of people groups that have a special place in God's heart. And throughout the Old Testament, God is careful to instruct his people to be uh, to be careful about the way that they treat the, the, these people groups, uh, the widow, the orphan, and the refugee. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, 18, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the alien or the refugee. God had put legislation in place to ensure that people in these difficult circumstances were, were, were provided for. So in Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10, when you reap the harvest of the land, do not reap to the very edges of the field. Leave them for the poor and the stranger. So right in the very heart of the law, there's legislation uh, to protect these people and, and to provide for these people. If you like, it, it was a bit like uh, some of the, the benefits that our contemporary government might offer to uh, refugees who arrive from a different country because of fleeing war or something else. And, and God in the Old Testament had written in some provision for folks in, in these categories. So Ruth qualified on both fronts. She was a widow and uh, she was also a foreigner. She had come from a strange country. So she uh, qualifies uh, on, on both of these fronts. And uh, Naomi, I don't know how she knew about this law, Ruth. Probably Naomi had made her aware of it. Um, you get the sense that that uh, perhaps there had been some exposure to the to the law of God as far as Ruth was concerned. Somehow Ruth decided that she should go out into the fields, perhaps encouraged by her mother-in-law, um, to see what she could gather up. Um, now, it is what anyone in her circumstances would have done, or at least should have done. She may have been poor. Uh, she may not have had any land of her own to cultivate, but she did what she could to provide for herself and her mother-in-law. She went to the to gather to the barley fields to gather grains or stalks from the harvesters, and to that as they tied these bundles together, bits and pieces would fall off, and she was there to gather up the fragments. She was just being a faithful, dutiful daughter-in-law doing what she felt she should do. And in the midst of these ordinary scenes, uh, God was at work opening up her future for her, uh, preparing to give her a place in biblical history as one of the ancestors of the Lord Jesus. And it says in verse 3, as it turned out or as it just happened, she came to the part of the field that belonged to Boaz. This is a man of wealth, a man of position. He is a kinsman redeemer. He's a close family member. 
And this is the man with whom her future will be tied. And, and she just happened to come to the part of the field that was owned by him. So there's nothing contrived about it. She's just gathering food for herself and her mother-in-law. Yet behind the scenes, God is guiding her steps one by one into her future. It's no coincidence uh, that this poor and destitute uh, girl arrives in the in the part of the field uh, of Boaz just at the time when he was coming to greet his workers. She could have been resting in the corner of the field or she could have been resting uh, in the middle of the, day, of the day at home. She could have been sitting in some corner having her goat's milk and her ham sandwiches or probably not ham sandwiches, but maybe roast beef sandwiches. Uh, but she's right there at the right time. Remember what the psalmist says, in Psalm 139, verse 16, he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before I took one of them. And that is as true today as it was in the day, days of Ruth. Sometimes we worry about the future. We can't see the way ahead. We wonder how God will ever work things out. But if we continue to do the things that God wants us to do, <coughs> whatever they are, Behind the scenes, God can take care of the rest, can't he? I have discovered, as I've read the Bible, that big doors often swing on small hinges. And if there's one lesson which can be uh, that, that we can learn from this story, um, as we watch Ruth just arriving in that part of the field, as Boaz arrives to greet his men or his workers, the one thing, and as we think about where all of this will lead, it's just so matter of fact, she just happened to arrive. God's hand can be trusted, can't it? And God's hand doesn't have to be twisted. Before Jim Elliot and those other missionaries who went to reach the Alka Indians uh, on the banks of the Kareri River in Ecuador, where they were speared to death, before they left, they sang together. Uh, before they took the plane flight that was to what they called Palm Beach, where the plane landed, they sang together, Be still, my soul, the Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. And that was true of uh, Ruth, and it's true for us. As we attend to the things that we should attend to, God's providence overarches our lives and works out things uh, for our good and for his glory. Well, two things about God's people very quickly. Let's take a look at Boaz. Look at the respect that he enjoyed. Look at the way that he greets his employers, his employees rather. In verse four, he arrives in the home and he greets his workers. The Lord be with you. And look at how they replied. They replied, the Lord bless you. How many big businessmen would you see greeting their workforce like this? The Lord bless you. And how many employees would respond to their employers by saying, and the Lord bless you? I know lots of employers that would, employees that would say a whole lot of things about their Christian employers and, and it wouldn't even approach to this because they've been treated so shabbily, but not so with Boaz. There's a real respect 
for Boaz as an employer. Um, and he cares about his employees, and it's clear the kind of man that he is just from his greeting. And notice the interest that he takes in them individually. He notices, he notices that there's a young woman working amongst his uh, the women workers of, of his crew. He hasn't seen her before and he asks who she is. And, and uh, he's told that she's the young Moabite girl that had uh, returned with Naomi. And it seems that he has heard about Ruth and her faithfulness to her mother-in-law. And he was impressed by what he had heard about Ruth. Now, he's obviously interested in more than just Ruth's outward, Ruth's outward appearance. He's a gentleman and he respects the qualities of goodness and faithfulness in people. Sometimes uh, when, when we think about someone to spend our lives with, the only thing that we think about is outward appearance, but that's a mistake because external beauty is superficial and can often be exterior, uh, the exterior of, of something that's fairly ugly. But here is a young woman who is full of true beauty and her beauty springs from within her. This is a woman who loves, and uh, who loves and cares and has shown incredible commitment to her elderly mother-in-law. And Boaz, as he hears that it's Ruth, is delighted to meet her because he's heard about her and he admires what he has heard and he admires the, the, the qualities that, um, that, that she emulates or that, that she radiates perhaps. Now his appreciation is, is shown for her godliness. He, he expresses his appreciation um, for her. Uh, he realizes not only has she shown great commitment to Naomi, but she's also come to faith in God, the God of Israel. She's left everything in Moab behind and he highlights that to come to a land where she didn't know anyone. She's a bit like Abraham, the father of the Israelites, she had step, who stepped out when God came and tapped him on the shoulder, stepped out with God alone on a journey of faith. And, and Ruth is a bit like that. She has stepped out in faith with God and come to live amongst God's people. Now, I, I, I think that Boaz respected the heart that this young woman had for God, her love for God, her desire to be among the people of God and to turn her back on her idols and her own family for a life amongst God's people. And uh, he shows his appreciation. Sometimes we can be embarrassed to show other people what we stand for and the things that we delight in. People ask us about so-and-so and we mumble a few words and we move swiftly on. But, but Boaz was not one bit ashamed to express his appreciation for this uh, girl. <clears throat> and he does so in such a tender uh, and gracious way. First of all, in verses eight and nine, he tells her to stay in his field. Now, presumably people who did what Ruth did wouldn't just be welcome in everyone's field. And that's clear in, in, in Ruth chapter two. Naomi told her that she could be hurt in some of the fields. And we know from the book of Judges that this was a time when everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, not what was right in God's eyes. And it's, it, I think it's fair to say that not everyone would have had a compassionate, the compassionate heart that Boaz had. In other fields, Ruth's presence would have been resented. 
She might even have been subject to jokes and scorn and mockery as they mocked her poverty and the fact that she came from Moab and she wasn't really one of them. But Ruth would not be harassed as long as Boaz was around. While Boaz was around, she would be treated with respect, the respect that she deserved as a young woman who had followed God. So Boaz tells his young men in no uncertain terms that they are to leave her alone. The law implied that gleaning was to be done around the edges of the field, if you look at Leviticus 19 verses 9 and 10. But Boaz went beyond the requirements of the law. He told Ruth not to bother drawing water for herself, but to drink from the water jars that had been drawn by his servants. And uh, Boaz's servants, I guess, had the right to chase Ruth back to the boundary or the edges of the field. But Boaz was adamant that she wasn't to be chased. She was allowed to be, she was to be allowed to go wherever she wanted to go in the field. And he instructed his young men to pull sheaves out on purpose and just leave them lying on the ground for Ruth. Boaz wanted to be generous. Some people would have been out with a measuring tape, marking paint lines like the referees do on the football field saying, well, you don't cross this line because that's, now you're entering the middle of the field. But Boaz makes it easy for her and makes sure that she has uh, got more than enough. Now, uh, the letter of the law said, stay at the edge of the field. But love and grace and generosity said, let her go where she likes and pull handfuls out on purpose and leave them for her. Boaz, said, in effect, says to his men, we're interested in more than just the letter of the law. We're interested in the spirit of the law. We want to be generous and kind and helpful in every way that we can. And I wondered, why was Boaz so generous? I think it may have been because he had been touched by the love of a generous God. He's the son of Rahab, a prostitute from Jericho, who'd found herself amongst God's people and given a place amongst God's people. And I think he wants to reflect his gratitude for the goodness of God to him and his mother in the way that he treats this Moabite, who a bit like his mother had come to live amongst God's people. Now, I don't know if you've met many Boazes. I have over the course of my life. And they, their, their generosity and kindness overwhelms me at times. The kindness of some people have been touched by the goodness of God and somehow want to reflect that in the way that they treat others. Uh, some of us are perhaps on the other end of the spectrum. We're a bit like Angus. His friend, his friend uh, came into the house one day and he was stripping the wallpaper. And... Uh, his friend said to Angus, oh, are you redecorating? No, said Angus, I'm not redecorating. Moving house and I'm taking the wallpaper with me. Some of us are a bit like that, a bit miserable. But there's a generosity about Boaz that's quite overwhelming as we think about it. And I think, I might be wrong, but I think that he has experienced the goodness of God and he has seen the goodness of God in the life of his mother and he wants to live that out in the way that he treats Ruth. And I think as people come across us, 
and watch us. They ought to see something of the generosity with which we've been treated by a gracious God in the way that we treat them. Anyway, so much about Boaz, we could spend uh, a lot longer. I need to keep on the move. Ruth, what about Ruth then? A couple of things about Ruth. Boaz seemed to, to be delighted to meet Ruth. He knew that she had not just left Moab physically, he knew that she had left it spiritually. And in chapter 2, verse 12, he makes mention of the fact that she has come to rest under God's wings for salvation. She's been set free from the idols of Moab, worshipping gods that cannot see and cannot hear and cannot help her and cannot answer her greatest questions. And she has come to worship the God that she should worship and the God that she was created to worship. And Boaz is just thrilled about meeting that, meeting Ruth and, and meeting someone who was a pagan and yet has come to know Yahweh for herself. He also makes mention of her commitment to her her aged mother-in-law. Now, I guess she could have lived for God in Moab. I guess she could have stayed in Moab and lived for God in Moab. Uh, but in the Old Testament, the place to be was the promised land. And Ruth had left her parents, her mum and dad, and come to live in Bethlehem, where she devoted herself to support Naomi. She saw it as her responsibility. And Naomi's not her mother. She's only her mother-in-law. Um, and, and yet she works hard to provide for both of them. She is out gathering what few grains she can find, and it was anything but easy, out in the fields with a bunch of young men who no doubt had a lot to say for themselves. Now, could have been so different, couldn't it? She could have lay around all day watching, I don't know, TV or uh, checking her Facebook Probably not because she didn't have it, but she certainly could have been lying around at home all day. She could have been asking Naomi, why did you bring me here to this place where we would have nothing? Can you get some of your relatives to help us out? I mean, her attitude could have been so different. Isn't there someone that could at least give us some food? The thing that strikes me about Ruth is her humbleness, her pleasant qualities. She is she had every right to glean in the field of Boaz. God's law legislated for her to be there. But she doesn't work from the premise that the world owes her a favor. Verse 7, when she first arrived, she asked for permission to glean in the field. And when she received the kind treatment of Boaz, look at how she responded in verse 10. She bowed down with her face to the ground. The marks of grace are so visible in her life. She takes nothing for granted. She's marked by humility and gratitude and thankfulness. She still has the sense of being a stranger who has been embraced within the covenant community of God. She's just happy to be there, happy to do what she can to support herself and her mother-in-law. Now, I think that Ruth is a wonderful young lady. How different she is from so many she has a real love for the Lord. She has a respect for people that are older than her. And she's marked by real humility. She's not like those who feel that everything is beneath them. Um, she's, she is, in fact, like the son that will come from her descendants. She is willing to pick up, who was willing to pick up a towel and wrap it around himself. 
and wash the smelly, dusty feet of his disciples. The same spirit that we see in Jesus can be found in Ruth. And I wonder if it can be found in us. Finally, then, two quick things. I'll be as quick as I can. Uh, first of all, then, uh, or thirdly, God's plan. And a couple of things about that. God's plan, it was powerful. And it broke through the dark clouds of, 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 that were of bitterness that were hanging over Naomi. So Boaz told Ruth, uh, when she needed a drink just to go and have it. He told the young men, don't embarrass this girl and, and don't lay a hand on her. He also told them, he also invited her to come to his table and eat with them at mealtime to dip her bread in the vinegar oil and eat as much as she wanted. And she ate so much that she, that she couldn't eat anymore and was able to bring some home to her mother-in-law. She also He also told the men to drop handfuls on purpose so that Ruth would go home with lots of grain that evening. And uh, you can sense, I think you can sense that there's a, a flame uh, beginning to be ignited in his heart for Ruth. He, he, he may have been attracted by her appearance, but he's touched by her godliness and her faithfulness <coughs> and her humility. When she went home that night, she had an ephah of grain, an ephah of grain. That's about 22 liters, apparently, about 30 pounds in weight. That's a lot of grain, a huge bucket of grain she went home with that night. And when Naomi saw it, uh, she realized that, that someone had taken favor, shown favor to her. Um, someone had been good to her. Somebody had obviously made it easy for her because she came home with so much uh, grain. And when Ruth told her where she had been, I've been in, in Boaz's field, Naomi said, this man is a near relative of ours. And then she says, this man is in the position to be a kinsman redeemer for us, to marry, uh, and, and to marry uh, uh, you, Ruth, and, and, and to raise up a son for our family. And at last, you can see the cracks appearing in these dark clouds of bitterness that are hanging over Naomi. She's beginning to see God hasn't forgotten her. God's not against her. All the while, God's actually been working for her. And uh, as events begin to unfold, Naomi's beginning to see that God is good all of the time, even when you can't see it. He plans to bless his people and to do them good and not to harm them. And we could spend an hour on that. But what's true for Ruth and Naomi is true for you. No matter how you feel, God is for you. And uh, God has plans to bless you. And uh, God is preparing heaven for your arrival, which will be greater than anything that you've ever conceived of. And Naomi is beginning to see that. So uh, not only Naomi, but we could say about Ruth, as she stood on the borders of Judah and thought about, should I go back to my parents or should I continue with Naomi and go and live amongst God's people? She must have been so tempted to go back with her sister-in-law, but she decided that she would honor God and live amongst God's people. And those who honor God, God will honor. And here you can see, 
God honoring this young Moabite girl who've come, who's come to live amongst the strangers known as God's people as he begins to prepare a future for her. Finally then, with this I'm finished. Not only is it, is it, is it um, uh, powerfully, positively powerful, breaking through the clouds of her bitterness, but it's powerfully prophetic. A prophet is someone who speaks forth the word of God, and from time to time, they foretell the future, don't they? This story is a picture of another kinsman redeemer. And what Boaz did for Ruth, this kinsman redeemer did for us, if we are the Lord's people. We were strangers to God and God's people, destitute and hopeless, scrambling for whatever crumbs of pleasure and security that the world had to offer. God, God's kinsman took an interest in us. He invited us to come and drink at his table and eat at his table, promising us that if we drank, we would never thirst again. And if we ate the bread of life, we would never be hungry again. He invited us uh, to come not just once, but again and again to be satisfied. And from the day that I, and from, from the day that we have met this kinsman, we live under the shadow of his protection. Along the way, he drops handfuls on purpose, blessing after blessing for us to lift and eat. And I feel a bit like Ruth. I don't know why he ever took notice of me, a stranger, on the broad road. There are others who are far more deserving of his kindness than I am. But I've concluded a long time ago that he loves us not because we are worthy. We will never be worthy. He loves us because of who he is. And here we are and we can say, I am my beloved's and he is mine. And his banner over me is love. So if you feel a bit destitute and a, a bit like a stranger, feel like you're just scrambling for the crumbs of the world, I hope you know that the Redeemer is interested in you. Uh, what he did for those of us who have come to trust him, he can do for you if you're listening. God's love is the best love that you'll ever, ever know. Deeper than the deep seas, it's a love that only God can show. So there it is, kinsman redeemer and his kindness to Ruth. What about our kinsman redeemer and his kindness to us? Well, thank you for listening. God's providence just happened so easily, didn't it? She's just doing what she felt she should do, and God is at work in her life. God's people, two godly souls in this story, Boaz. Look at the way he greets his workers and the way they respond to him. What a testimony that is. And Ruth, who impressed Boaz with her godliness, her humility. And finally, there was God's plan. God's plan as it unfolds slowly, begins to break through the clouds of bitterness that are hanging over uh, Naomi. And she sees God's not against her. God is actually for her and beginning to work things out for her good and Ruth.